Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the word. Resist him steadfast in the faith. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, tells us to submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, you don't have to be captive to what Satan wants for you. You don't have to be stuck with his desires for you. His desire is that you would never get past your past. His desire is that you would always be controlled by it and stuck in, in that mindset. And like we talked about last week, never have a before and an after. That's where he wants you. But the reality is, is that he has, no, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, he has no power over you except deception. And if you believe something that isn't true, then you, in essence, fall under the power of those lies, and it affects your whole life. And he works hard to deceive you. He wants to deceive you right now into thinking that it's okay, to, that I can think about something else, I can let my mind wander, or this doesn't apply to me, or whatever. Don't believe it. You're part of the, the church of God. We have gathered together to hear the word of God, and God will speak to us if we open our hearts to him. <laughs> and the only other choice is the road to destruction. So let's pray. Father, I pray now that you, your spirit would work mightily here, that your spirit would would. Uh, stir us, each of us, Lord, that you would uh, enable us to understand your word and apply it to our lives in ways, Lord, that would set us free to honor you and to glorify you and to experience all the blessings that go with the freedom that only you can give. And so I pray today, Father, as we consider um, the lies that we end up believing that Satan then uses to hold us back. I pray, Lord, we'll see the truth and that you won't let us rest until we respond to it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we are going to talk about pulling the devil's teeth. You know, just like a lion grabs its prey, it has its teeth designed by God, the lion, but to where the teeth, you know, come down and, and grab what, their prey. And when they go in, the prey can't get away, okay? Well, it's the same way with the lies that Satan tells us. Is they, when they get a hold of us, it's hard to, to get away from those things. It affects us in how we live our lives. And so today I want to talk about four large teeth that Satan uses against you to keep you from getting past your past. And, and all four of these create serious problems, okay? But, but one of them causes huge problems in our lives that tends to provide support for all the other problems. So today I'm going to cover the first three briefly, and then we're going to focus in on the fourth. So the first tooth that Satan uses to hold you back from getting past your past is unaddressed sin. Unaddressed sin. Now see, sometimes the problems of our past were caused by our own sin. Sometimes. 
Uh, but very often, a lot of the problems in our own past weren't caused by our own sins, but by someone else's sin. But what happens is that we responded in sinful ways to those things. And, and uh, uh, so we responded in ways that led us into sin because of how we felt, what we were trying to, to the problems we were trying to solve. And, and so some of the things we responded were sinful escape habits. How do we escape this, right? And some of you went to alcohol. Some of you went to alcohol. Some of you went to drugs. Some of you went to immorality. Some of you have run from relationships because of what happened in your past. And now you're responding in ways that are not trusting God. And they're sinful responses. And, and if you don't address those things, they will still hold on to you. Now, let's just think about it. Let's just use the first one I mentioned. If alcohol was a part of your picture, okay, if alcohol was a part of your picture and, and it created part of the problems in your response, and, and so now you want to say here in the future, well, I, I can still drink. I can still hold on to that. I can still, you know what? If that was a part of your picture and the problem in the past, you need to let it go. You need to address it. Same with all those other things. Drugs, uh, immorality, even you know, running from relationships. You've got to deal with it. Because if you don't, you're going to be stuck with your past. Other things, how about sinful defense habits where we build emotional walls, right? We build those emotional walls and, and we're not going to let anybody close. Uh, callousness, we become hardened. Uh, we keep people at a distance. We hide These things, if they, if they are left unaddressed, you will never get past your past because you will still live today the way you lived yesterday and the day before the day. The outward details might look different, but what's going on inside will still be the same. You see, here's what sin does to you. Proverbs 5.22 tells us that an evil man is held captive by his sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. And what do we tend to think? You know, we rationalize, the way, well, it wasn't that big a deal. Yeah, I know. I did, but no, you've got to understand, when you allow sin to continue in your life, when you, you, know, you, just, you don't really address it, you don't deal with it, you are slowly but surely tying yourself up. And you will be captive to those things. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says then that we need to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. We've got to lay it aside. We've got to put it away. So how do you escape from it? How do, you, how do you pull this tooth of the devil? Well, first, understand, you cannot leave it unaddressed. You must address it. You must be honest with God about it. All right, God, I know that this is a sin. And, and you need to turn away from it. Proverbs also says that the person who covers their sin, oh, I don't have sin, or covering it up, you will not prosper. You have to confess it, be honest with God about it, and turn away from it. And then you do it again. I, mean, I know how this works, folks. I know that we don't, we don't just say, especially if we've had sin that has been you know, tied up in our lives and it's all intertwined with what's going on, what, what's happened to us, what we have done, how we've responded. We don't just one day go, okay, done with that. I mean, we can make that decision, but the reality is I'm going to have to do it again. 
And I'm going to have to turn from it again today. And I'm going to have to turn again from it tomorrow. But in that process, we begin to get free. We begin to undo those ropes and get free. We must address it. And when you pull the tooth of unaddressed sin, then Satan's ability to hold you captive to your past will be weakened. You'll be on the road to getting free. Well, the next tooth that Satan uses to hold you back from getting past your past is unresolved guilt. And I, I would add shame to this. We'll combine those two things. They're somewhat different, but guilt and shame. You know, many times people just feel guilty. And, and you may have felt this, but you ask someone, you know, well, why do you feel guilty? Well, I, I don't know. I just feel guilty. And maybe they're feeling shame because of what's happened to them in their past or even their own choices. Uh, but when guilt feelings, here, here get this, when, when guilt feelings that have been connected with the past are allowed to remain, they are always present with you today. See what I'm saying? See how that takes that past and just brings it into today? Because today I'm feeling guilty again. And why am I feeling guilty? I don't know. We have to figure those things out. So what is going on with guilt feelings that just linger? I, I mean, well, let me talk about it here. Job addresses the issue. In Job 10, he says this. He says, if I am wicked, woe to me. All right? If, if you are sinning, will you find yourself feeling guilty? Yes. Because the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, is going to bear witness to you that, hey, that doesn't belong in your life. That isn't something that ought to be here. And so you'll have that initial feeling of guilt. Well, God's intent is that when we sin, we, we address it and we look at it and say, oh God, you know, I do, I confess it to you. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to, anybody know? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we come to grips with our sin, this is sin. God, I know it doesn't belong in my life, and I'm struggling, but God, I admit it to you. I, I don't want this in my life. There's no hindrance between your relationship, you and God, and he cleans you up. You have nothing to be ashamed of anymore. I mean, I understand that there's lots of, you know, there's things in our past that we probably wouldn't want to share here today, Right? And it's because we, we might feel ashamed. But the idea is what we have to reach the point is where if you know what I've done, it's okay. Now, I, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? There's no shame here. I am, I was born a sinner. I lived like a sinner. From time to time, I've believed Satan's lies. And we all have. And because of that, these things occurred in my life. I don't have to be ashamed. God has knew that. He sent Jesus to die for it, set me free from it. So this idea of guilt and shame, when we've done what's wrong, it's an easy fix, okay? But there's another kind of guilt and shame that we feel, and Job continues there in, in chapter 10. He says, even if I am righteous, I cannot lift up my head. I am full of disgrace. See my misery. Even when I'm doing right, I feel guilty. I feel shame. I feel heaviness. Unresolved guilt feelings with no specific cause. 
Well, again, note the Holy Spirit will point you to the truth about specific sin. The Holy Spirit will never give you just a general sense of guilt. Because see, what happens with the feelings of guilt is it comes down to, well, let me show you. Here, here's the way God is. I'm going to use these as an example, okay? This is, glasses aren't sinful. But that's my sin. That's what I just, I did wrong. The Holy Spirit will say, this is wrong. This doesn't belong in your life. We need to deal with it. We need to address it. We need to confess it and turn away. That's how the Holy Spirit deals. And we feel, oh, we're guilty, so then, but then we can deal with it. So we said, now, there is no sin. We said, we've dealt with it, we've, we've done that, and I still feel guilty. It isn't the Holy Spirit, folks. It's the lie of Satan getting you to believe. I am a guilty person. I am a person who needs to be ashamed. And it's how he holds us captive, see? That's one of the teeth that gets in there and holds on tightly to us. And so we have to believe what God says and begin to work on this. And if you're stuck, and people do get stuck here, if you're stuck, get help. If you find yourself feeling guilty and you look and there's nothing there and you can't pin it down and you just, day after day, you, you, you talk to God and you just can't get free, get help. Get help, that's what the body of Christ is for. Talk to a mature Christian, talk to a pastor, talk to a counselor, somebody, and get free. We start believing what's true and letting it govern your life. But if you will pull the tooth of lingering guilt and shame, then Satan's ability to hold you captive to your past will be weakened. That's what we want, don't we? Don't we want to get free from the controlling power of our past and have this after kind of life? Well, the third tooth that Satan uses to hold you back from getting past your past is this. Rationalizing your bitterness. Bitterness. And then you rationalize it. Well, I have reason to feel this way. The Greek word that's translated bitterness is pikria. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I always get intimidated when I have Greek-speaking people in my church, which we do here today, but that's picria. And it means, listen, it means poison. Bitterness poisons your soul. Slowly but surely killing you on the inside and bitterness is almost always the result of holding on to anger and resentment. Holding on to it. I mean, it's, anger has a legitimate short-term role in our lives. Something happens and we feel angry. And it's intended to, to get us to respond to whatever this is and deal with it. But when we don't respond to it and deal with it and get back to normal, we hold on to this anger. And this anger over time turns to just resentment. And it's, it's underneath the surface all the time. It turns rancid and it becomes poison to our souls. Because you know bitterness will affect how you think and feel about everything else. Has anybody besides me ever found yourself for long periods of time having an ongoing conversation with somebody telling them why they're wrong. I didn't even ask for a show of hands, and you raise your hands, that's pretty good. 
Well, that's, that's one of the, the um, things that might tell you you're struggling with bitterness somewhere. And sometimes we're just processing. But if you find yourself there again and again and again, chances are that there's bitterness there. There's, there's an anger that you turned inward that you did not deal with, did not address and it is slowly but surely poisoning your soul. Now, you have to face up to the truth about bitterness. Ephesians 4, verse 31 says, well, first it tells us that bitterness keeps bad company. Look at the list. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking put, be put away from you. And oh yeah, with all malice. That's the companions of bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 tells us it's looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Not that you have to earn it, but you don't take advantage of it. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Two things I want you to see there. How much bitterness does it take to become a problem? Just a little root. You don't even see it, but you let it stay. It will grow. And it won't, second thing is it won't just affect you. It'll affect every relationship you have. And if they don't respond properly, it will poison them too. But if you will pull the tooth of bitterness, then Satan's ability to hold you captive to your past will be weakened. That tooth won't be there to hold you tightly anymore. So, I, you know, I, it would make sense to me if you asked the question, well, how do I do that? How, how do I pull the tooth of bitterness? Which is a fair question. And it actually brings us to the fourth tooth that the devil uses to keep you from getting past your past. And we read in Ephesians 4.31 where it talked about the need to remove bitterness. Let all bitterness and all these things, you know, be taken away. Well, in verse 42, we find the antidote to bitterness. The thing that will pull the tooth of bitterness. And it's, it's a key to many other areas of your Christian life. Ephesians 4.32 says this, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. All right, do you get that? Here it is. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That is the key to your freedom from bitterness and from so many, many things. Forgiving those who hurt you is the antidote to the poison. But that's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Sounds good. Well, let's, let's talk about it. I want you to see that this is probably the most important tooth you need to pull if you want to get past your past. Refusing to forgive is a tooth that needs to be pulled. Turn your Bibles now to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. It's page 1134 in the Bible that's in the pew there. We encourage you to follow along with us. Page 1134. Matthew chapter 18. And by the way, you know what? This was almost, you know, probably closing in on 2,000 years ago. And, and how about that? They had the same problems we have. 
God knows what's going on in our lives. Starting in verse number 21. And before we read here, just know this, something, this is a parable. He's going to give us a parable. It's important that we understand about a parable, that in a parable, the Lord is trying to teach us some main idea. Okay? It isn't that every detail means something or equals something. He's telling us a story with a primary point he's trying to make, and there might be some other things you can gain from it along the way as well. Okay? All right. Then Peter came to him, came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, you understand, the teachings of the day, the, the rabbi's teaching of the day said three times is all you had to forgive, four times if you wanted to be extremely gracious. So Peter thinks he's killed the big one here, doesn't he? Seven times I forgive? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, when we, when we think about numbers in the Bible, the number seven is often used to, to uh, communicate the idea of, of completeness and fullness. And so when Jesus says, no, not seven times, 70 times seven, he doesn't mean 490 times. I mean, can you imagine, because what would we do? Wouldn't you make a list? Okay, 283, 315, you're getting close, buddy. <laughs> that's not what Jesus means. What's he mean is this, what? Just, you always forgive. Now, I know that's just to raise I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. A talent is a weight of silver or gold, and a talent was about 75 pounds. Would you like to have 75 pounds of gold today? That would be nice, wouldn't it? But about 75 pounds. And so 10,000 of these is almost 400 tons. We don't know if it's 400 tons of gold, 400 tons of silver. Obviously, this guy was working on big projects with the king. Okay? Um, it valued today, they're trying to compare, you know, what was a wage back there and today. They estimate, the estimates are wide. They estimate this is either 10 million all the way up to $300 million. A lot of money more than this guy was able to pay. Verse 25, But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children all that he had, and that payment may, uh, might be made. And so the idea was, he has to go serve. We're going to force you to go to work, and you're going to pay us money, whatever you can pay. When you make, we're going to garnish your wages and take it. Okay? Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. There's no way he was paying it all. He didn't have the ability to pay it all. But he's asking, please, have patience with me. Verse 27, then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. 
What did he do to, get, to earn this debt being removed? Did he do anything to earn it? Absolutely did not. It was a debt he could not pay. He could not earn the forgiveness, but the master forgave him. What's that make you think about? That's what God has done for us, isn't it? We have a sin debt that we could never pay. But God, by sending his son into the world, dying for our sins, that he might be just, rising in from the dead and then offering to forgive us our sins if we'll trust Christ as Savior, showing his love and mercy. So this is what he's done for us. One of the things that I'm noticing as I work with people, and maybe younger people more, we don't really understand what we have been forgiven. You know, we think that there are probably some people worthy of hell, but we have a hard time seeing ourselves as worthy of hell. And we don't have time to spin up, but don't you know God is so holy, so holy, that if you could see him for one instant in his glory and holiness, you would say, I absolutely deserve hell. It would be so clear to you. And that's the debt that he paid for us. A debt we could never, ever pay. So this man is now forgiven that debt. He doesn't have to pay it back. I think he thinks he still has to. Verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. Now this a hundred denarii was... Uh, uh, a denarius was the equivalent of one day's wages for a common laborer. It's 100 days wages. So you figure that out with like uh, about minimum wage, we're talking about $7,000. Now that's not insignificant. If someone owes you $7,000, wouldn't that matter to you? Yeah. How does it compare to the millions that were, he was forgiven? You know? Verse 29, so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. That sound familiar? In other words, this man was finding himself in the same situation that the first man had found himself in. Verse 30, and he would not. He would not forgive the debt, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. I don't know how you pay the debt when you're in prison except you hope your friends come up with it or your family. But I want you to notice something. Originally, the master said, the one that in the beginning forgave the huge debt said, you're going to have to go work and pay this off. Which you never would have paid it all, but you're going to have to work and pay. But this man doesn't do that, does he? Instead, he throws him into prison where he can't pay. And so it hits me this, that he wasn't looking for a way to make things right here. He wasn't looking for a way to make things right with this person. No, instead he, he was looking for a way to keep him indebted to him. To keep him on the hook. You owe me and I'm putting you in prison. You, you owe me. I'm keeping you on the hook for this debt. Now, why would he do that? Why not work something out, let him work, make money, pay? Why not? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us here for sure. 
But I have some ideas based on what I've experienced and what I've, I've seen in other people. I think maybe one of his thoughts was this. I will never let him be in a position to hurt me ever again. Or he may be thinking, I might need to use this guy in the future. And finally, I may be able to use him as an excuse for my own failures in the future. Well, I'm sorry I couldn't pay you because that deadbeat here never paid me. And excuse himself. Now, I haven't talked about you and I, but does that start to sink in a little bit? Of why we might not forgive? Let's continue reading. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Now, the torturers, that's tough. <laughs> He's not just going to jail, is he? He's going to go to jail and be tortured until somebody figures out how to pay this thing. And how big was this debt? The Jewish people were not allowed to torture. That's where our heritage comes from. But the Gentile world didn't have that kind of a restriction. And so it seemed like a terrible thing. But now I want you to read this next verse. And this is, this is heavy. This is hard. Verse 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Wow. He's not talking about heaven and hell here. He's talking about what we're going to experience in our lives. And here's the deal. A few things. When, first, when you refuse to forgive, you are sinning. Because he says, verses, shouldn't you have done this? James says, the person who knows the good and doesn't do it to him is sin. You knew you should have, and you did not do this. And so it is sin. And, and, but the question then comes, well, how can I forgive when I hurt so much? Right? It's a whole emotional thing. How can I forgive when I hurt so much? Well, let me answer it this way. When you don't forgive, you are prolonging the pain. You're prolonging the pain. You are hurting yourself because here's the deal. When you refuse to forgive, you will be tortured, tormented, not by God, but by your own refusal to forgive. And because God loves you and he wants you to be free from those things in your past, he wants you to experience his life, he, wants, he will let you experience the consequences of refusing to forgive and you will be tormented by them. You will be tortured by them. You'll be tormented within yourself because when you don't forgive, you find yourself experiencing this, this constant sense of guilt and shame. 
you will experience torment in your relationships with others because you'll have bitterness that won't go away and it will affect everything you do and every relationship you have because you don't forgive. And it's going to affect you and your relationship with God because you'll have this ongoing sense of condemnation. You won't feel like you're forgiven. And you'll feel far away from God. And so not forgiving works against everything that we really, really want. You need to forgive. And we're talking about here the kind of the forgiveness that is unilateral action that you take for your own well-being. In other words, by unilateral, I'm going to forgive you whether you even know you sinned against me. I'm going to forgive you whether you disagree with me this sin. I'm going to agree, forgive you whether you think you need forgiveness or not. I am going to forgive you. Not because you deserve it. Remember what Ephesians 4.32 said? Forgive the way God forgave you. Not because you deserve it. So a unilateral, one-way kind of forgiveness. And you take it for your own well-being. Next question that comes, right? But if I forgive them they'll be getting away with it. Have you ever felt like that, you know? If I forgive, they're going to get away with it. I'm going to be letting them off the hook. But no, 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 no. That's not what this is about. When you forgive someone, all you're, you're releasing their debt to you. You can't remove their debt to God. You can't remove the consequences in their lives of how they live. You're not letting them off the hook. They, they owe God. And God will hold them accountable for their actions. Here's the truth that you need to understand. Forgiveness lets you off the hook. Forgiveness lets you off the hook. And it is crucial if you ever hope to get past your past. Because see, every time you refuse to forgive, here we are, that's our past, and here I am in my present. But every time I refuse to forgive, it just reconnects me with all that stuff and brings what was in the past right here with me today. If I don't forgive, if you don't forgive. And it becomes ever-present for us. And so you need to pull the tooth of bitterness and that will, you know, Satan's ability to hold you captive to your past will be weakened. Now listen very carefully here. When you refuse to forgive, you start putting the devil's teeth back in. Can you see that? There we go. When you refuse to forgive, you start putting the teeth back in. Because when you refuse to forgive, it will cause you to become bitter. And when you refuse to forgive, it will make you feel guilty and shameful. And when you refuse to forgive, you're sinning, which sets you in opposition toward God. You see that? 
Refusing to forgive will keep you locked up with your past. And because you give back every tooth to Satan that he uses to keep holding on to you with. And you will never, listen, you will never ever get past your past if you refuse to forgive. And you can forgive someone who you haven't seen in years. You can forgive someone who's died. You can choose on your side, I forgive. I am releasing you from your debt to me. It's between you and God. And I'm free. I can be free. And now this is awesome news for you, okay? When, when you do that, you choose to forgive, you will set in motion the pulling of every tooth that the devil holds on to you with. And Satan will no longer be able to, to keep you from getting past your past. You're going to take them all away if you'll forgive. And, and, and this brings us to the last two sets of teeth that Satan can hold on to you with. You see, as we get the... the uh, uh, the two sets of teeth there. They aren't the big ones that get a hold of you, but they can still chomp on you pretty good. And the first set up there is wrong thinking. Okay, this is where we're talking about believing things that aren't really true and living by them. And so next week's sermon is a nitty-gritty prescription. And we're going to talk about how to deal with that thing, the wrong thinking. And then there's the problem of what other people think and being owned by what other people think. And they have a sermon in a couple of weeks entitled Two Opinions. And this, this is such good news. When, when we're done with these things, if you'll apply them, there'll be nothing to hold you anymore. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. God will deliver you. So let's yank some teeth out starting today. What do you say? Let's pull some teeth for ourselves and let's help other people pull their teeth and, and let's get past the past. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that you've provided us a way to get free from the things, the lies, the wounds that have controlled us, Lord. Thank you that you tell us in your word how to deal with these things and what needs to go and how to do it. I pray, Father, that you'll challenge each of us, show us those places in our lives where we really haven't forgiven, haven't forgiven someone. Help us to see that that plants the seeds of bitterness and all this other junk, Lord. I pray that we'll humble ourselves before you today and respond to what's true and knowing that when we do that, you will pull the devil's teeth from our lives. I pray in Jesus' name.